Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. This is Robert Lamb. And for, I think, one last time, it's Seth Nicholas Johnson. That's right. We're actually recording this one before the week of Thanksgiving break, uh, which is why we're not going to be reading any listener mail that has come in uh, after that point or during that week. Hopefully, we'll get some good stuff in, uh, especially uh, concerning uh, on the Weird House side of things, uh, the Flight of Dragons. Uh, That one just came out hours really before we came in to record this and i was already seeing some some folks comment on it on social media and, and say oh yeah i love that movie when i was a kid and so forth so hopefully we'll get some good stuff in on that and yeah by the time this episode publishes joe should be back from his parental leave so you'll be hearing from joe very soon it must have been mildly confusing to our audience that uh throughout the entire parental break we had him pre-record a bunch of the intros for vaults and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Joe was also here the whole time he wasn't here, and uh, right. But now, now he's really back. Not not just a ghost voice from the past, but real Joe is back. By the time you're hearing this, yeah. And if you just started listening to stuff to blow your mind four weeks ago, <laughs> <laughs> then well, the coming of Joe uh, is is almost here. Yes. Behold, a a, a Joe shall be delivered to you. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the mailbag here. 
this first one uh, comes to, this is a response to something that came up very briefly in one of the Ig Nobel Prize episodes that we did, specifically talking about uh, studies involving not just crash test dummies, but crash test dummies based on the, the uh, physiology of a moose. And so the, um, a listener by the name of Robert writes in and, and says, Hi, Robert and Seth. Main resident here. I was listening to your Ig Nobel Part 2 episode when I got to the section about moose. I was taken aback to hear you say moose and elk are the same, as they certainly are not. Here's a link to some information that may help clear it up. Uh, and they included a link that is a moose versus elk uh, guide. And this is from a, uh, a, a Colorado-based website. And, and all, the, all that, that data is accurate. So uh, I think that the interest, so the thing here is, uh, this is the part of the paper uh, that we referenced that, that mentions this. It goes, quote, In certain areas of our planet, there are big wild animals. One big species is the moose, called elk in certain regions. Scandinavia has a very large moose population, uh, and car-moose collision is a huge problem, etc., etc. So this is the part you can see, saying that, it's, that the moose is called elk in certain regions. So I believe that the name confusion that some listeners may be having here stems from the fact that what we call a moose in North America is called an elk in Eurasia. And while the North American use of elk refers to an entirely different species, um, but also in North America, the use of elk refers to an entirely different species. So from a European standpoint, moose and elk are the same, and this particular paper is European in origin. So hopefully that clears everything up for, for everyone out there. Oh, we we can never clear up the deep, deep well and uh, the labyrinth that is just language confusion and origins yeah. of words. And I, I I still remember being young and trying to find the like concrete logic behind the origin of words and re- really trying to like hammer it down so I could really understand it and really put it together. And then just giving up at a certain point and <laughs> just going, mm-hmm. I, I can't figure this out. Like, like you know, we, we, we're too diverse of a world with too many languages to really make definitive answers and origins to anything like a a big one for me and this is this is going on a tangent but but i still remember this one i was trying to figure out the difference between till and until like hey i'll wait till tomorrow or i'll wait until tomorrow why isn't till in i'll wait till tomorrow why does it have two l's why isn't it apostrophe t-i-l that would make perfect sense in my mind then i looked it up and it seems that both words have completely separate origins. They just both happen to sound very similar and function in a very similar way. And I was like, forget this. <laughs> like, I can't, yeah. I can't go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, there, there are a number of little uh, linguistic issues like that that uh, will still come up for me when I'm uh, reading over something that, I, uh, that I'm putting together for like non-notes purposes. I'll look back and I'll think, oh, well, it's, do I have this right? I'm going to have to look this up again. And uh, yeah, do a Google search. The uh, the word it's, I still think that the correct usage is incorrect all the time <laughs> because I feel that like, so for example, I'm, I'm going to use a person and I'm going to refer to uh, myself as an it, okay? Mm-hmm. So if uh, I'm looking right now at some cough drops, I go, these are Seth's cough drops. Now I'm going to refer to myself as it. These are it's cough drops. I feel that apostrophe S is still possessive. Therefore, I would use IT apostrophe S. But nope, it's not the case. You only use its 
when you are using it as a contraction for it is, period, full stop. And I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> and I know it's right. But anyway, I, this, this is a small window into my brain. I spent a, long, a lot of time trying to figure these things out for like the definitive real rules and then hitting a brick wall and just saying, forget it. <laughs> I'm not, there, there is no answer here. Yeah, when I turn on my proofreading brain, I just my, I go ahead and pronounce it apostrophe s as it is. I just right. it just that's that's the only way I can really barrel through that process. You have um, to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, our next message here is from Alex. Starts off this way: Hello, Robert and Joe. I've been recently thinking about an episode that you released a while back that was essentially about the science of being lost. Ooh, great episode. If I recall correctly, I believe you described it as an emotional state and referenced studies, etc., that describe the phenomenon and unintuitive actions that lost people take. When I go to search for the episode, I can never seem to find it, so it's possible that I'm completely off base and perhaps another group of podcasters released the episode I'm describing. However, I'm fairly confident that it was your soothing voices that educated me in the first place. And how ironic that she lost the episode about being lost. That's wonderful. (laughs) Continuing the message. If you can provide any insight uh, as to what I'm rambling about, it would be greatly appreciated. Much thanks to you both uh, and your team for providing endless hours of entertainment and knowledge. Alex. All right. Well, I say, first of all, just because we're all involved in the production of the, the show doesn't mean we too can't become lost in what we recorded or may have recorded for sure uh i'm i'm uh, joe and i are often engaging in conversations like that did we do an episode on this and i had to i had to search through my notes luckily that's my main way of solving these issues uh and as it turns out it was the leshy episode i believe um so that was an episode that dealt at least on the surface with the russian myths and uh, folklore about uh, creatures that live in the woods and represent like the wildness and danger of nature. And then we kind of use that to get into the topic of becoming lost in the woods, how it feels, how it happens, how easily it can occur. Um, and I guess in that too, it's also kind of like a typical stuff to blow your mind move where we take something highly relatable, uh, but it's kind of beyond the, behind the paywall of something more esoteric, right. uh, which, I mean, you, you might say we should probably do it the other way around, but I don't know. That's the way we end up doing it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I remember this being a great episode. I hope you enjoy it. Um, and yeah, if anyone else is looking to uh, get lost in an episode, uh-huh, check out the Leshy one. It's 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 definitely a fun episode. And, and you know what? I, I kind of miss, uh, we haven't done one of these uh, cryptozoological deep dives in a while. Like, like you mm-hmm. know what? Maybe we end up doing them like every month or so, but it's never enough. <laughs> I, I really yeah. like them. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love diving into the, into the, the folklore mythology for sure. That's kind of a fun thing about this show in general is that... Um, there are so many different kinds of episodes that you and Joe do that are so beloved that no matter how often you do them, rightfully so, every audience member can go, yeah, but what about inventions? Do more inventions, <laughs> you know? There's yeah. always, why not more? Because you have like such a back catalog of different kinds of angles to take on these things. So so yeah, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have. But uh, unfortunately, it, it also leaves you open to a lot of requests for things that you just did, but do it more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, some topics do deserve re-exploration years later. So 
Uh, yeah, so any, anytime there's a question like this about a possible past episode or a topic that you're not sure we covered, just write in and we'll sort it out. For sure. All right, this next one comes to us from Trey, and this one is kind of a fun, just conversational one. Uh, and uh, Trey writes, Dear Rob and Seth, what is a favorite for you and the family to put on the television after Thanksgiving? I always throw on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to get me in the spirit of setting up the tree and all. I look forward to hearing your responses. Maybe it will give me something new to add in rotation. Great question. I, I have some very specific answers about you, Rob. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go first. I want to hear yours. Uh, I have a whole day movie marathon that happens every Thanksgiving. Um, it's mostly just kind of things that um, me and my friends and my family have seen so many times that they just kind of like feed into the background. So if you miss a little bit, it's okay. You can come back to it. Uh, so it goes in this order. Uh, first, we watch both Grumpy Old Men movies. Grumpy Old Men <laughs> followed by Grumpier Old Men. Uh, that is followed by Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And then mm-hmm. that is followed by Home Alone. That's that's the structure and the order. <laughs> and because I, I think the logic... Well, first of all, I don't know what the logic of including the two grumpy old men movies is. Maybe because Thanksgiving occurs in the first movie. That's like That was enough to get us to watch it once and then just became a tradition. Uh, and of course... Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is all about Thanksgiving. So, of course, that one that one sticks, and that one is, like, the main centerpiece. And then when Thanksgiving is over that evening, I, I do feel like Home Alone is a nice, you know, ease into the the, the, the holiday season, the uh, the traditional Christmas season, you know? Oh, yeah, there's some, some great picks in there. I mean, obviously, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles is a great Thanksgiving film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't watched it in a while. I don't think my son's quite old enough. I'm not, or at least I'm not ready to show it to him yet. But uh, but that's a really fun one. Yeah, if, if you're showing this to your son, uh, I remember in particular, there's the scene with uh, Edie McClurg where she is the uh, the car rental woman. Oh, God, yeah. And then Steve Martin. For a PG-13, how did he get away with that many F-words? Like, I, I thought there was a limit to one F-word per PG-13 movie or something mm-hmm. like that. But no, in, in one scene, he says it. It's got to be, what, five dozen times? I have no idea. I've never counted. But... It's just perpetual. I, I, I yeah. don't know. That, that, that would be hard to introduce to a child, I think, and, and, and not have them think it's very funny and then repeat it, you know? Yeah. Like, the, yeah, there are a lot of, of F-bombs in that scene. And then it's kind of punctuated by that scene where he gets uh, picked up by the testicles and, mm. um, and then is speaking in a squeaky voice. Yeah, I could easily sort of like edit all that out i can skip that entire part <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah yeah no great movie love it watch it every year but uh yeah and, and i i'm just now realizing that that's two john hughes movies back to back i i didn't think of that before ever but yeah planes trains and automobiles and home alone uh, both written by john hughes hmm. yeah that there's something about not only john hughes movies but sort of like john hughes adjacent films and that whole sort of genre of of the the, the family comedy with, uh, from that era uh, I was thinking about this recently because I have no idea why, but the the the, the movie Groundhog Day came up. Mm. Uh, Groundhog Day is a movie, movie that my son has seen, and he was asking my wife and I, he's like, that's a Christmas movie, right? And of course, the the obvious answer is, no, it's of course not a Christmas movie. It's about, <laughs> it's about Groundhog Day. Right. But in another real sense, it does feel like a Christmas movie in, in many other respects. It does. And, and in fact, I don't recommend anyone investigates this route, but there are multiple 
uh, Groundhog Day knockoff Christmas films that are terrible. Mm. Don't watch them, <laughs> but they exist. It's the kind of thing of like, oh, my Christmas day is going so terribly. Gosh, tomorrow it'll be better, you know, December 26th. But then, no, this protagonist is stuck in Christmas Day and they have to make sure that they do it the right way. It's, it's literally just a complete ripoff of um, Groundhog Day. And there are mm-hmm. multiple movies that do this. Like, I, I think at least two I can think of, maybe more. And they're terrible. Don't watch them. The end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the time loop um, plot structure can be so interesting if done if done right, but it's often done lazily, I guess. Have you seen a film called Palm Springs? No, can't recommend it high enough. It's a, a an Andy Samberg starring vehicle. Um, it's a Hulu film, I want to say. I think it might be a Hulu original, and it's mm-hmm. so 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 good. And it is a time loop Groundhog Day situation, but it's just done wonderfully well. Like I I, I can't recommend it high enough. So yeah, Palm oh. Springs, check it out. Nice. Oh, but you well, you haven't answered. What what are your Thanksgiving oh, oh, films? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, our Thanksgiving film. I guess currently our only real tradition is um, the nineteen sixty four um, uh, Gorky Film Studio Jack Frost or Morozoko. This is one that we we featured on Weird House Cinema. I think last year. And uh, so go see that episode for all my my thoughts on that movie. But it's one that are kind of originated for for me and my wife out of watching. Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes on uh, Turkey Day. Right. And this was featured there. But now we've gotten to the point where we're just watching it without any MST3K because the the picture's beautiful, uh, the film quality, if you get a non-rift version of it. And it's just a, just a lot of fun. It totally stands the test of time. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, MST3K adjacent media around Thanksgiving Day is a tradition. Everyone loves that. Beyond that, we're we're plotting ways to try and introduce my son to the Gremlins movie franchise, somehow skipping over like the really disturbing parts of the first movie. Uh, I haven't fully mapped out that venture yet. I mean, the, the, the dead father dressed as Santa is definitely the part that you have to yeah. keep away from the kids for a while until they, yeah. they reach a certain age. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's a fun one, though. I, I feel like yeah. kids could watch two more easily than they could watch one. Yeah, I've been arguing for that. I'm like, let's just skip straight to G2. And my wife is like, I don't know if he's going to understand everything. And then I'm like, well, yeah, and he would he would miss out on some cuteness and some basic expo- explanation of the concept if he skipped G1. So fair enough. It's true. The origin tale of, you know, kind of the rules, kind of, it, it, it works well in the Gremlins universe. And, and I guess all film universes with creatures and monsters to have those rules laid down as a steady foundation. Now, some people have the the Twilight Zone tradition of Thanksgiving, right? Because somebody, some station used to do or still does Twilight Zone Thanksgiving marathons. Is that right? Or am I thinking about another holiday? If it was in my mind, and I'm not sure if I'm right either, because who knows what television does anymore. I remember them being New Year's Eve. Ah, oh, that's it. Twilight Zone marathons. But um, but I'm, I'm sure different stations did different things. But that's that's my memory. That's, I think you're correct on that. I was misremembering that tradition. I wish it was my tradition because, yeah, I'd love a, like a holiday dictated excuse to watch old Twilight Zone episodes. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I need to make a new one. Like what holiday can I align with Night Gallery? Ooh, gosh. Uh, what is the uh, longest night of the year? Is that um, uh, Winter Solstice? Yeah. yeah. So, 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 a, so like the longest night gallery of the year. <laughs> Just oh. <laughs> squeeze in as many as you can uh, from sundown till sunup. Okay. All right. <laughs> so Trey, I hope I hope some of that helped you. Maybe that'll give you some ideas for the future. 
Oh, and, and a very quick PS. Perennial classic uh, is, of course, the Peanuts Thanksgiving special, serving uh, pretzels, jelly beans, and toast for Thanksgiving at a big table with a bunch of kids. Hilarious. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I only know the, the Great Pumpkin, I think. Oh, that's a good one, too. <laughs> well, and the Christmas one. But yeah, I didn't even realize off the top of my head they had a, a Thanksgiving one. But it oh, makes oh. sense. Some of the best Peanuts ones, the lesser seen holiday ones, um, there's a, a wonderful sad Valentine's Day one, uh, and there's a wonderful Easter one. Uh, the Peanuts, huh. the Peanuts family, oh gosh, they have so many specials, in there, and many of them are are just wonderful, just full of, oh. full of you know, subtle childhood depression, which I just really relate with. <laughs> Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, 
personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. All right, moving on next, we have a message here from David. Let's see what we got here. Greetings. My father was a rocket scientist. He was literally a pioneer of American aerospace and held a patent in solid fuel propellant. After his retirement in the 1990s, he opened up about a few things more fanciful. I was working on a sci-fi concept, and we were discussing it, as well as Dune, Star Wars, etc. I'm tempted to do a bit more backstory on this particular discussion, but I'll cut to the chase. Well-versed in quantum mechanics, my dad suggested, and I'm paraphrasing with uh, due liberty, that the so-called spooky relationship between particles might indicate a sort of subspace plane or medium, and this is pretty much verbatim. Construct something around a prime particle, excite that particle, it signals the other particle to wit, look what I have here. What? This. Bamf! Now I'm <laughs> now I'm boiling down not one but a few long conversations into a cutesy cartoon strip but I'm sure you'll find that interesting and I'm happy to share more about it happy trails David mm. Well um uh, I, mean, I I love what what David is essentially getting at here yeah that uh, that when you start looking into the the realm of quantum mechanics and all there there are these various areas where um what we uh, believe to be true or possibly be true about the universe uh, can begin to align with some of our, um, our, our, our seemingly more fantastic sci-fi concepts. And uh, I, don't, I don't think we've done an episode where we really get into this sort of thing recently, but in, in the past we have, talking about things like, I think, warp bubbles and so forth, um, which isn't necessarily tied to uh, quantum discussions, but still, when you get into some of these more far-out ideas about how things like faster-than-light travel could actually be achieved, it gets uh, it gets pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, from like the most basic point of view ever when it comes to science, uh, Albert Einstein, he basically did prove time travel is possible. And yet, you know, the limitations of that, you can go forward, you can't go back, you know, like, mm. like just like those little things. And it's, it, it is fun to just kind of see that reality in of, of science fiction concepts 
but not really. Like you can't really have like the fun you want to have with it, but it's like it's like close enough. It's like just a hint of what's like beyond that veil. And it, it's funny too. I have a couple of friends who work in aer- aerospace, and uh, yeah, one's a rocket scientist, one is uh, in space exploration, and both of them. Whenever I hear about like the kind of projects they're working on, first of all, they're always very hush hush, and they can't tell me lots of details. But I'm very used to uh, working in the entertainment industry where you start something and then you finish it, you know, within mm-hmm. a year, but usually within the week, you know, uh, their projects take longer than their lifetime, you know, like they'll be working yeah. on something that they know they'll never finish, that they're, they, they're just, you know, putting in their time on a project, contributing to something that perhaps, you know, two more generations after them will actually reach this final conclusion when it comes to whatever liquid physics or something who knows what you know whatever aerospace rocket scientists are are focusing on these days all right i'm grabbing another one here this one this we i don't think we've ever done this before but i was i was doing a quick search to see if anyone had written in about the weird house on congo yet and uh we did hear from some, from some folks but i found this one that is actually from Early, much earlier this year, from January, actually, well before it was announced that we were going to discuss Congo. And uh, an, a listener by the name of Mark wrote in, in response to one of our, I think, crab discussions ah. <laughs> that is re-airing uh, or would have re-aired last week. So uh, anyway, Mark writes in with a, an email titled Time Crabs and says, in the novel Congo, a gorilla named Coco, and I think it's actually Amy, but very easy to make that confusion because I believe Amy is in large part based on Coco. Right. Um, so Mark continues, a gorilla named Coco, or Amy, has the same spatial time orientation. The past is in front of us because it is known. But if Coco was told that someone was coming soon, she would look over her shoulder. Wonder where Michael Crichton got this idea. Mark. Mm. Yeah, I remember that discussion, the discussion uh, back about uh, time in general and about the future being in front of you and the past being behind you and how that relates often to something as simple as just literally like traveling down a road, you know, where Mm -hmm. it's like if you say to someone this, you know, this is five days from now, you think spatially like, oh, how far is that ahead of me if I walk down a Mm -hmm. road or no, like, oh, this was a week ago. It's like, oh, where could I have been one week behind me if I was walking like that kind of like relating space to time in a literal way and that's pretty fun yeah yeah i think the crab discussion was what what, how would a super intelligent crab focus on this given that it kind of it moves side to side Uh, but (laughs) yeah but this is a great detail from the novel congo and totally the sort of thing that michael Crichton would just throw in there here and there i mean that's one of the reasons the, the books were so much fun to read All right, we've got one last message here. Uh, This is from Jamie via Facebook. Here's what Jamie has to say. I'm listening back to the 2017 episode, Alien Abduction Experience, Part 1. Kind of binging episodes while working on this ongoing cross-stitch of of the planet Saturn. That sounds wonderful. Mm. A train of thought occurred to me while Robert and Christian, hey, an old Christian episode, Christian Mm -hmm. Sager briefly discussed up this book called The Seven Sins of Memory. Robert touched on absent-mindedness, using as an example of when people try to recall where you were when September 11th, 2001 happened, and how you probably don't actually remember with accuracy what you were wearing or what you had for breakfast that day. A sudden question slash idea I pondered about, which may make an interesting future episode, I don't know, is this. 
And then paraphrasing quickly, uh, Jamie gives us the idea to, to focus on an episode about the instinct of trying to remember where you were on 9-11, which is definitely an interesting idea. Uh, I'm just coming away from the message for a moment here. I feel like it's got something to do with touch points for humanity. Is there, there are a mm. few things that we all have in common and sometimes we have them and we can all focus on them and have a shared experience and have kind of like a shared knowledge base. And 9-11 is definitely one of those. Like, like yeah. here, here's an example of that. That's, that's not tragedy related. Um, I remember in college, I was taking a film course and the instructor, he very early on in the class said to everyone, he's like, all right, who's seen Wizard of Oz? You know, and, most mm-hmm. of the class raised their hand. He's like, all right, who's seen Titanic? And most of the class raised their hand. And he's like, okay, okay, just checking. Every year I have to check in on this because I'm, oh, I'm always trying to find the common film that almost everyone has seen when I'm when I'm starting, just so we all have a common language. And it used to be Wizard of Oz, but as, as I'm aging, I, I think it's getting closer and closer to Titanic. <laughs> and <laughs> it's been a while since I was in college, so I'm sure it's changed again since then. But uh, mm. but yeah, just finding that that touch point, that commonality amongst a large group of people. And 9-11, you know, was that event. You know, we all experienced it one way or another. Yeah, and there would be... Not to say that there certainly wouldn't be the same emotional state, but there are comparable uh, emotional states to discuss there. Um, so, yeah, there, there's uh, this would have been, for many people, a, a noteworthy touchstone event. And, uh, and you can revisit it by asking other people where they were and how they felt. Getting back to Jamie's message. It seems to serve as a kind of socially bonding activity, remembering and recalling. But what if you cannot recall exactly where or when or what you were wearing, where you were when an event of some significance happens. I wonder if there's a certain taboo or stigma societally at work if we can't remember something like that. For instance, around the anniversary of 9-11, you'll see posts asking others what they remember about it. I have to imagine there's a percentage of people who see that post and scroll past, possibly because they don't have a formed answer. I wonder how that person feels. Does it bother them? Is there an obligation of some kind to reminisce? What happens if you don't? Is there a feeling of loss? Do you lose something on some level when you can't participate or if you refuse to? Speaking from experience, in 2001, I was in elementary school. I have almost no memory of 9-11 to speak of. I also enjoy these episodes discussing alien abduction and the subject of Incubi. And then she mentions that uh, we never talk about the band Incubus, which of course we should, so... We're we're mentioning it now. There's a band called Incubus. They exist. Um, Getting back to the message, the idea of alien abduction absolutely terrifies me. Anyone else? So glad I can put some of my personal hangups to bed. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Jamie. Uh, You know, there's one part of this that um, I think you can relate to a little bit, but a big part of this of like having something happening in society that either through choice or reality you're opting out of. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm a vegan. So when I walk through a grocery store, I see most of that store as just like, not for me, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like whenever I'm walking through, I'm just like, Oh, nothing over there for me. Nothing over there for me. People talking about like these, like kind of, um, food traditions that happen every year, whether it's eating turkey on Thanksgiving or whether it's, um, you know, grilling up some burgers for uh, uh, the 4th of July, whatever it may be, all these food traditions that are non-vegan, which are most of them, of course. Um, I, I, I had to put a place in my mind years ago when I became a vegan, just going like, you know what? 
that's just not for me, period. Like, like I'm not involved in any of that. And thankfully, there are many food substitutes at this point that you can have, you know, fake burgers, a fake turducken or whatever. But uh, but yeah, no, no, it, it, I, that, that's, that's an element that I see in my life, especially interacting with most of my friends who are primarily not vegans and, and just going like, oh, I'm not a part of this, you know? This is interesting. I was actually reading a little about uh, studies that have looked at at, the, at at a similar topic here. Like, what does it take to cause a division between like one group and another? Mm-hmm. Uh, like the one of like there's political examples, but also it gets down to things like cat people versus dog people, which mm-hmm. of course is a, a kind of a ridiculous dis- distinction. Um, and then you have other things like, for instance, take take the band Incubus. I don't think I've ever listened to Incubus, and I don't have a strong opinion about that fact or the band. Like, I'm not an, an, a never Incubus person. <laughs> I don't don't really have an, an opinion. It just It just never happened for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of things like that in our life where we're just like, oh, well, that's, yeah, I guess that's not my thing, but I, I don't have an opinion on it. Then there are plenty of other things where you're going to have more of, of an opinion. Maybe the, cho- the choice is based in some sort of a, you know, a moral standpoint or uh, environmental standpoint, et cetera. Certainly that can be said for a lot of dietary preferences. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then there are other elements as well. But even something like, you know, well, I'm a, you may have a more of a heated response on something like, uh, say, the band Kiss. You might say, well, I'm not a Kiss fan. And it's it's not a neutral stance. It's, <laughs> it's more of an assertive and aggressive stance. That's an excellent point. Um, bringing it back to uh, food preferences, like you were saying too. Uh, yeah, there, there's like you know different kinds of people who don't eat meat. Like for me, mm-hmm. it's just like oh, it makes me feel better when I don't eat meat, so I just don't do it. Other people are like, no, this is a moral stance, and I'm judging you for eating meat. And so I yeah, the, that is like a, a difference where it's like me because I, I you know I know people eat meat and I don't really care. When I walk through a grocery store, I do just kind of block it out as like oh whatever you know that's just not for me. That it's almost like it doesn't exist. Whereas if you are the kind of person who's like, no, I hate that people eat meat, you you may perhaps you do see it, and it's 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 a sore point for you. It's a no, mm-hmm. I I don't like that this exists. So yeah, that that's that's an interesting idea. The difference between um, <laughs> a, a positive thought, a negative thought, and a neutral thought. The neutral thought truly can't ignore, but positive or negative, you you are thinking about it more. Yeah, so I, I think we will do an episode in the future on this because it gets into questions like what is the what is the smallest thing that could lead to a division like this, mm. and then why does it? I think a lot of the times too, there's going to be you're going to slip to uh, more extreme um, visions of it, and you're going to be holding to this schism without it being a real conscious effort, without like waking up and going through like these are the reasons I believe this thing. This is why I'm opposed to you know this sports team or this sport or what whatever the division happens to be i remember years ago some toilet paper company don't remember which one they were tra- trying to create a false schism in their in their in their um user base which i guess is everyone mm-hmm. that uses toilet paper and they were like hey are you the kind of person that has it flip over or flip under and they were doing like a survey and they was, you know, it was just a joke for, for an ad campaign or whatever. But I remember the result there. I still remember the result to this day, 50-50. <laughs> and so <laughs> there's, there's no real, dis, you know, distinct answer or definitive like right or wrong. It's just some people put it over, some people put it under. And I'm like, that's, that's a line. We all, we all do it. <laughs> so so yeah. you, you pick, you've picked a path. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're a fifty-fifty household. I'm not going to spoil who goes which way on it, but um, but every time that I notice this, I'm reminded of the Simpsons episode where uh, where what, what, they're written up or Marge is written up for having it in the underhanded fashion. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, hey, someone someone's got to make rules. Someone needs to make divisions. You got you got to exclude people somehow. I guess is the the, the, the mm-hmm. natural human feeling, unfortunately. All right, three three more things about this email. Uh, so first of all, The Seven Sins of Memory, How the Mind Forgets and Remembers, is a book by Daniel Schachter. Uh, this came out in t- 2001, so you know, bear in mind, it is over 20 years old now. Uh, so I can't speak for how it's really holding up uh, and, and how it relates to more recent research in memory. But um, I imagine it holds up pretty well, and I remember it just being it was just really thought-provoking content that will really make you think more about how you remember things and the different ways that the brain remembers things. So um, yeah, go, go check that out if you're interested. Um, but one of the things about something like 9-11, the question being like, well, what if you don't fully remember? Are you going to feel left out? Well, part of the answer is your brain will fill in the blanks. Even those of us who think we remember, we don't necessarily really remember what was going on. Our, our brain creates a um, uh, a simulation of what uh, what occurred. So you might think you know what you were eating. You might think you know, uh, remember what you were wearing. Uh, and in many cases, you may. It's not saying that no one has precise memories of this, but the way memory works, it fills in the blanks. And this is where we get the, the potential for strongly held uh, false memories about things. Oh, and finally, yeah, the idea of alien abduction and uh, incubi and succubi and so forth. Uh, yeah, I, I used to find these concepts very frightening, which is probably one of the reasons that we've looked at them time and time again on the show is that exploring them logically kind of helped to understand like why these concepts frightened me, especially when I was uh, a child, and then um, and, and then also sort of making sure that the the scary things stay in the realm of fantasy for me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I totally I totally uh, uh, can relate to anyone who finds these concepts kind of creepy. My big, um, I guess, anxiety about aliens is this. I think we could all agree, probably for the most part, that there is some sort of life probably somewhere in the universe. Even if it's just like a little amoeba crawling in some dirt somewhere, there's probably something somewhere. You know, I think, I think most mm-hmm. people can agree on that at least. Are they more advanced? Who knows? That's, that's a whole other question. But the potential for someone to arrive here at any point is just on the table, you know, just 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 at some point, some creature from another galaxy who has developed space travel just like we have, you know, we've done it. So why couldn't someone else could just arrive? And it's just like, oh, well, now what? Like, just, yeah, at any point, it's, it's you know, that, that, that door is right there and someone could just come in and just be like, hi, we've we've come now. Like that's, I think, I think that's, that's part of the anxiety some people have is just the, um, the open-ended nature of, of, uh, of alien contact. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and new stuff will come out that, that seems to keep that door nice and cracked. How, however, of course, there are plenty of, uh, of people out there who want to jump in and try and widen that crack as much as possible or discuss just how absurdly wide the crack is when it isn't. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's also part of fun of the discussion as long as you don't let it uh, inconvenience your life or the lives of anyone around you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just remember that speculation is fun, but facts are better, you know? Yeah. 
All right. Well, it seems that the mailbag is empty at this point. Uh, hopefully, it'll begin to, to fill back up. So, yes, keep your thoughts coming uh, right in. We'd love to hear from you about past episodes, uh, way past episodes, recent episodes, possible future episodes, Weird House Cinema, Artifact, Monster Fact, core episodes, or just responses to other listener mails. All of that is fair game. Also, if if you were a fan of of recent uh, listener mail guest host, Dr. Anton Jessup. Uh, I have heard he may be returning close to the holidays. So go back and listen to the recent listener mail episode with Anton Jessup. You'll get a a feel for the sorts of messages he likes to respond to. And if you would like to contribute a message of that caliber, well, you can send it to us at the email we're going to list here in just a bit. Uh, Let's see, other housekeeping stuff. Uh, yeah, listener mails every Monday, core episodes Tuesdays and Thursdays, Wednesday is Artifact or Monster Pack Fact, Friday is Weird House Cinema, that's our time to set aside most serious concerns and just talk about a weird film. Um, places you can follow us, well, there's the Stuff to Blow Your Mind discussion module on Facebook, that's the Facebook group, you can request access to that. If you want to join us on Discord, uh, just shoot us an email, and again, the email's coming up, and we'll send you the link where you can join and engage in discussions with other listeners. And let's see, is there anything else? Oh, if you if you like Weird House Cinema, you can go to letterbox.com. That's L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D. Uh, and our username is Weird House. That's where we list all the films we've discussed on Weird House Cinema. Thanks, as always, to Seth Nichols-Johnson for producing the show and, of course, uh, guest co-hosting a slew of them during uh, the parental break here. And if you want to reach out to any of us, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 